0: Welcome to Mr. Biz Radio, Biz Talk for Biz Owners. During the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a leading business advisor and two-time best-selling author, will cover topics that will help business owners run their companies more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to stop faking the funk and take your business onward and upward, this show is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And uh, we are going to, we haven't done this in forever. I've been a little bit remiss in keeping up with some of the stuff, so I apologize, but we are going to do a, an Ask Mr. Biz show. So I've got a whole pile of questions. And usually we get the questions in, and I'd be honest with you, I probably shouldn't even admit this. but I when we get the questions in, either myself or my assistant or whatever, we'll, we'll put it into an email box that we both have um, access to. Um, and if it comes on social media same thing she'll pull it off and and throw it into an email and we just keep them all into a big giant email folder well perhaps someone i.e me hasn't checked that folder in quite some time uh so i was pretty surprised at the number of questions that have come through via social media or or email or whatnot so and again we love the questions and i've i've literally put a reminder on my calendar now to check them uh, so it'll pop up on my calendar and remind me to check that mailbox uh, more often so we can have more of these shows and get to some of these questions but so if you do have questions for the show you can email them info at mrbizsolutions.com or if you want to you've dm me on on social media send me a message on social media um, that works as well we we pull them off either way but um, so we're going to talk about a lot of different things today we'll see how many we, we can get through during our time together today But at a minimum, I think we should be able to get through, we're gonna talk about some key ratios. What are the most key critical ratios that you need to be tracking as a business owner that will drive your success, profitability, et cetera. Um, We've got a question about um, why businesses fail. What are some of the reasons why businesses fail and we can avoid those. Uh, A question about financial statements. What financial statements should a business owner at a minimum be, be reviewing on a regular basis? We're going to talk about the most critical skill, one skill, the most critical skill for an entrepreneur or a business owner to be successful. And then uh, I imagine we'll get to this one. So how to profitably set your prices. So this is a big one. And you guys have heard me talk about, if you listen to the show often, you've heard me talk about this before, but that one's a big one as well. So I would imagine we'll at least get through those five, but, uh, but we'll see. So without further ado, let's uh let's jump right in here to the first question that comes from Renee in Chicago, Illinois. And she says, What is the most overlooked ratio? And uh that one's an easy one. I'm, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and give you two, but really kind of one. So let me explain. So the most overlooked ratio is retention, by far, retention. Now, the way I'm gonna cheat is I'm going to say two aspects of retention so not just what most people probably think when i say retention of customer or client retention but also employee retention absolutely the most overlooked thing every business i start to work with we look at both of these ratios and we monitor them on an ongoing basis because a couple quick things to point out to this so as far as customers if you're out beating the bushes and doing a really fantastic job on the sales front, you're bringing in new business left and right. Everything's humming along. You're doing great. But if you're losing customers out the back door, you're bringing new ones in the front door, but your existing customers are leaving out the back door. It's just a never ending battle, right? Then you have to constantly be beating the bushes for those new customers. And I don't know about you, but what would you you say is easier? Is it getting, gaining a new customer or client or just maintaining and retaining one of your current clients? right? They've already, you've already gotten over the hump of the initial sale. They already know, like, and trust you if you've gotten over that. Hopefully you've given them good service, good value, et cetera. So it's much easier to hold on and retain those customers. So that's huge. And the other part is, and I've talked about this a few times on the show over, the t- over time, but, and I, I think I even mentioned this in my book, Pathway to Profits, but um, this is a crazy statistic. But when people are looking for new revenue, speaking of sales, of new revenue comes from existing customers. So, you know, again, you're out beating the bushes, looking for new sales, new clients, new customers. When 65% of all your new revenue is going to come from people that are already in the door, they're already in the house. They've already, they're already buying from you. And so if you're losing that and that having to constantly replenish that terrible, terrible impact. So really have good communication with your current clients, make sure they're getting the service they need. I had a situation, um, back in my corporate days where our incentive plan was too heavily pushed towards new sales and so what happened is our account managers our sales folks were focused on new sales and they were neglecting their existing customers and we ran into the exact scenario i just mentioned to where they were selling like crazy because that's what they were getting commissions on but they were neglecting service on their existing customers so we were losing them so you know we were just kind of running in quicksand so that's that's really important and then on the employee side again you're making these sales, your business is growing, but you can't find the resources or you're constantly having to fill positions, backfilling positions, et cetera. First of all, it's gonna ruin fulfillment, right? You're gonna have a a worse customer experience for your customers. It's gonna stunt your growth because even if you're able to find resources, which right now the labor market's so tight, it's very difficult to find good resources. But even if you're able to find them, you're constantly training and retraining and you don't get much tenure with employees if you have a lot of turnover. you got to make sure a couple things as people are leaving, if you have people leaving uh, or before they leave, actually, I recommend to do at least an annual employee survey and make sure however you do it, that it's anonymous. Um, so that way you're going to get honest feedback. So if, if they're filling out a survey and handing it to someone, they're not going to give you honest feedback because they're not going to risk getting chastised or getting, you know, a scarlet letter for saying something bad about the company or their their boss or whatever. So make sure it's anonymous. The other thing is if you do lose an employee, by all means, try your best to do some sort of an exit interview with them, i.e. asking them why they left, because it might not be what you think. Um, A lot of times everyone just assumes it's because of money and it's not because of money all the time. There's a lot of other reasons that folks leave. And depending on your industry, uh, what type of company you have, et cetera, et cetera, could be a lot of different things. But those things are really important, but that's that's the most, most overlooked ratio to me is retention, customer retention, employee retention. Very, very important there. So again, thanks, uh, Renee in Chicago, Illinois, for that question. Uh, let me see here. Well, can, we can start on this one. So Alex from Bloomington, Indiana asks, why do so many startups fail? Well, uh, some of you probably already know what I'm going to say with this, but there was a, a study done by U, the U.S. Bank. And 82% of all businesses that fail are due to one reason. Um, and before I tell you what that is, if you haven't guessed already, also the Small Business Administration, the SBA. So just to give you a couple of statistics, we all hear these all the time, but you know I think the SBA is a pretty good source for this type of, uh, of, of numbers, right? So only 50% of businesses make it to their fifth anniversary. Further, only a third of businesses make it 10 years. That just shows you how important this, this is. But think about it this way. That reason that 82% of all the businesses that fail is cash flow. It is a capital restriction, it is some sort of cash flow problem. And that's why we talk about cash flow so much. That's why I wrote a book specifically about cash flow, how to be a cash flow pro. Even the second book, Pathway to Profits, talks about cash flow. If you don't have cash, you don't have a business. I mean, we all recognize that but man it's is it, a as a new business owner a startup you you get focused on so many other things and you get your attention gets pulled in so many different directions and sometimes we just lose sight of the most important thing in front of us and that is we have to have cash right i mean critically critically important so so again thanks alex in bloomington indiana for that question so we're going to hit a break here come back We'll give the Mr. Biz tip of the week. And the next question up is from none other than James in Akron, Ohio. And his question is, bare minimum, what financial statements do I need? So we'll talk about that after the break when we come back on Mr. Biz Radio.
0: Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit CheckOffYourList.com to learn how Check Off Your List's skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at CheckOffYourList.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live.
1: Thank you for listening to Mr. Biz Radio. Did you know our show airs seven days a week for more than 30 hours now? If you are in the B2B space and would like to reach thousands of business owners every week, including our more than 250,000 social media followers, our thousands of daily internet radio listeners, our email list fans, and Mr. Biz Solutions members, email us at info at to become a sponsor. Tap into Mr. Biz Nation to help grow your business.
0: Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, "Pathway to Profits" and "How to Be a Cash Flow Pro" on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show, and it is
1: time for the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week, as we always do at the start of our second segment of the show. And this week, uh, the tip is: if you cannot see a measurable three hundred percent ROI return on investment for your marketing spend ready for this? You know what you need to do? One of two things, either change your marketing plan or fire your marketer, fire your marketing team, fire your marketing head, whatever it might be. Sounds a little little harsh, but you should be able to measure that. And the key part, the key word in that entire tip is measurable. Uh, This is one of the things I see businesses fall short on. A lot of times they spend money on marketing, on advertising, but they don't measure the return that they're getting. And oftentimes they'll say, gosh, I don't know how to measure it. I don't know, you know, there are so many different ways. You just got to be even just a little bit creative to be able to do that. Um, You know, for example, I'll I'll just use, you know, we're we're on a radio show here. Someone says, well, how do I measure, you know, I'm running some, so an ad on the radio, how do I measure the return on that? I mean, there's a couple of really easy ways. First of all, depending on what type of uh, CTA um, uh, call to action you're giving, whether it's you want them to call you on the phone maybe you want them to go to a website, uh, maybe you want to send an email, you can have a dedicated landing page that you know that you only give it out on the radio. So anyone who lands there, you know that came from t- to you from the radio, you can have a dedicated phone line. So someone doesn't even have to ask, they know that when phone line three rings, that had to come from the radio because it's the only place you share that, as an example. Um, all sorts of different ways you could do that to be able to monitor and track those, but that is the absolute critical piece. I can't tell you how many owners that are spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month on marketing and they know some of it but they don't know, you know, it might be half of their marketing budget they have no idea what the return they're getting. So, very very important there. You got to measure it, got to make sure you're getting the return that you you deserve and you should expect. So, that is the Mr. Biz tip of the week. All right. So, as I promised, we are going to go to James uh, in Akron, Ohio. Bare minimum what financial statements do I need? All right. Well, you're asking a CFO that, right? So, you know, I'll I'll spare you. I'm glad he said bare minimum because I probably could have done three shows on on this topic, right? But so bare minimum, what I would suggest um, is you need an income statement, profit and loss statement. In in other words, uh, a balance sheet, which I know a lot of people right away, I talk to owners and I mentioned balance sheet and their eyes glaze over and then I, I, I can just see them thinking in their head, oh my gosh, accounting mumbo jumbo. Uh, and it's not. Some of it is, but it's not. I can tell you a couple of things that we need to watch on that. And then, of course, as we just ended the last segment with cash flow, we got to have a cash flow projection. We've got to make sure that we're not going to run out of money. And so I'll just start with the cash flow since uh, we're there now. But again, as, you, as I said, you need the cash, right? You, you can't, got to make sure you don't run out. Well, what I like to do is I always run uh, either, depending on how, where we're at in the economic cycle, we run either 24 or 36 month cash flow projections that are rolling. So it's a rolling 24, 36 months that get up, gets updated every single month. So we know we have an idea of projections into the future. You know, if we have to spend $100,000 on a piece of equipment, should we finance it? Should we pay cash for it? If we finance it, how much should we put down? Should we put down the minimum? Should we put down 10%, 50%, 75%? What makes the best uh, financial sense for us? So that's an example of that. The balance sheet, I mean, again, there are a lot of counting things on there, but here's three things that you can check for. And these are really basic. So those of you who are, are financially astute are gonna probably say, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. But these are the basic things. When you look at a balance sheet, you can go to the three sections of the balance sheet, assets, liabilities, and equity assets you want to make sure they're going up and if they're not you want to know why liabilities which are uh, are things like you know basically your debt you want to make sure if possible that's going down or if it's going up it might be going up because you're investing in the business etc but you want to know why if it's going up Um, and then equity you know that's essentially the owner's equity is the is the book value of the company so of course you want to make sure that that's continuing to trend up and if it's not again you want to know why income statement critically important. So when you're first starting out, you got to start out putting something together. So put together your income statement, your profit and loss statement, and at least use some industry standards to begin. Um, If you don't know enough, start with some industry standards um, and then create a budget. Well, I'll talk about this all the time. You have to have a budget. So each month you should be doing is measuring that profit and loss statement against uh, your budget. So you know where you're doing well, where you're not doing well, and what changes need to be made accordingly. And then once you get into business for a bit, you can compare to your prior year. So that helps you be able to compare same, the same period from this year to the same period last year, which will help you see, are you making progress? Or are you not? Uh, oh, well, yeah, well, we're behind here. And we know that's because of X, Y, and Z. We delayed this project, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a couple of things. And along with those though, comes the margin management, I call it. And it's super, super important. And a lot of people quote their gross margin. Net margin is, is the granddaddy of them all. Net margin is, Your net income divided by your revenue, which essentially means all the money you bring in in sales, how much of it ends up in your pocket at the end of the day after all your expenses. So that's the one really important. And just a real quick example, I've been working with a client now for three years. We've been working on improving our net margin every single year. Because think about it, if you improve your net margin, a higher percentage of your net income ends up in your pocket of your sales uh, at the end of the day, you can have flat sales and still make more money um and that's what everyone wants right you want you want to increase your profitability and they we have improved that so much that our highest revenue year was 2018 and we've got the margin our net margin up to a level now and I, it was it was good and bad to to, to explain this to him in a recent meeting if we had the same net margin in 2018 as we have now the net income would have tripled they would have ended up with three times as much money in their pockets at the end of the day and it was, I, I told them that, one, to show progress and to congratulate them on the progress we've made, but also to demonstrate to them how, why I've been hounding on it so much to uh, to make those improvements because, gosh, it's just so darn important. All right, so thanks again, James in Akron, Ohio, for that question. Uh, okay, let me see. I think we can cover this one. Rob in Austin, Texas. By the way, I... Freaking love Austin, Texas. Uh, love it down there. I haven't been down there. It's been too long since I've been there. But uh, so, Rob's question is What is, in your opinion, Mr. Biz, what is the number one skill that a business owner needs to succeed? All right. This one, honestly, is an easy one for me. And I've I referred to it before on the show as well. I call it consistent perseverance. And that is the number one. You probably thought I was going to say something financial, being financially astute. That, no, it's consistent perseverance because that covers the whole gamut of everything. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter, you know, any of that stuff. You will get knocked down in the game of business. It will knock you on your booty and you have to have the consistent perseverance to continue getting up. Oftentimes the folks, especially with startups, um, and sometimes you just have a bad idea and or you don't execute well. But oftentimes what separates successful business owners and entrepreneurs from the unsuccessful or not as successful is this consistent perseverance. You get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. Because, again, all the successful, quote unquote, successful people that we know of, they have all taken their losses. They've all taken the L's over time. The Bill Gates of the world, the Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs got fired from his own company. I mean, come on, right? Uh, You know, Warren Buffett has, has suffered this uh Oprah Winfrey, all of these guys have they taken their L's a long way, but they had consistent perseverance. They kept getting up. They figured out a new way to do things, a new way to do it better. Hey, I know now this way doesn't work. Let's brainstorm and figure out a new way. Um, and you know if you need to have some advisors around you to help, you know, come up with those new ways and brainstorming, et cetera. But that is what I would say Rob in Austin, Texas, is the number one skill that an owner needs to succeed. Consistent perseverance. All right, so we are out of time, up against the break here again. We're gonna come back and we're gonna have uh, Sarah from Portland, Oregon, talking about how to set her pricing levels on Mr. Biz Radio.
0: Are you ready to automate your business? Automation is the key to scaling a business and building wealth. It's also one of the most difficult things for a small business owner to do on their own. If you're looking for help with automation, Pulse Technology CRM can help. We have an exclusive offer for Mr. Biz Nation. We will build everything for free, even if it's a sophisticated funnel. Visit ThePulseSpot.com forward slash MrBiz for this exclusive offer. You submit questions to the show. Email them to info at mrbizsolutions.com Now, once again, here's Mister Biz.
1: All right, welcome back to Mister Biz Radio, and we are going through. Uh, have an episode of Ask Mister Biz, and so so far we've heard from Renee in Chicago, Alex in Bloomington, Indiana, James in Akron, Ohio, and Rob in Austin, Texas. And again, if you have questions for the show, we love to get questions. And I promise I will. we will monitor that better uh, so we don't go so f- uh, far between with answering some of the, the listener questions. But you can email us uh, info at mrbizsolutions.com. Or if you want to direct messages on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, any of those, um, we, we, we pick those off as well. And uh, we'll put them into a folder and answer some of the most common questions um, that we think will benefit the most people. And even if I don't answer it on air oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, almost every single time, unless I, I do get some silly questions that are non-business related that uh, might make you blush a little bit. But um, aside from those questions, I do answer all questions that we get um, as long as they're not you know, silly, goofy questions, whether it's on air or uh, directly to the person who asked the question. So uh, that being said, the next question is from Sarah in Portland, Oregon. And she said, how should I set my price levels to optimize profits? Um, and again, this is another one of those questions, uh, the interest of time, I'll, I'll try to summarize this and give you a couple of key points to make sure you consider, but this is, man, this is a big topic. Pricing is one of my, uh, I have three, uh, pillars of financial success. And and those pillars are cash flow, budgeting, and pricing. And, uh, so as you can imagine, I can talk about all three of those. You have to get those three things correct. And if you don't, as you scale your business. That's the foundation. As you scale your business, it, it it will begin to crumble at some point. It might not be at 2 million or 5 million, but at 10 million, you're gonna to start to see cracks in the foundation and and, and it's going to, going to crumble. So you gotta make sure you get that right. So here are some of the mistakes I I see often with price levels. So a lot of people start a business and frankly, you know, for lack of a better term, they use the back of an envelope uh, to do their pricing, which sounds kind of funny, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, another thing that a mistake that people do is when they're going to start a business, they just compare to the competitors. Of course, that's an important element to it, but that's not the only thing. So, and where that can really get you in the trouble is, you could have a competitor that has a lower cost base than you, Uh, base, not based, Uh, I'm not basting a turkey here, not basting anything, Um, so lower cost base. And what can happen is, for example, in that scenario, is you open a pizza shop and your competitor charges 10 bucks for pizza and you go, I'm going to undercut them and charge nine. But in reality, with your cost base you have, maybe the pizza costs you 10 bucks or 9.50. So literally for every pizza that you sell, you're losing money because you just really didn't do the correct due diligence and you're trying to price just based on your competitor's pricing. Again, that has to be an element to it, but it should not be the driving factor in that. And that scenario I should mention, and again, loyal listeners have heard me mention as the silent business killer, that is a product or service you have in your business that is either break even at best or is losing you money. And oftentimes if, if it's priced too uh, inexpensively, too cheap, that's, it's a high volume product or service. So you're selling like crazy, but like think of that scenario where you're, you're selling a bunch of $9 pizzas, but they cost you $10. So your sales are going through the roof, but your net income, you're losing money. And just again, intuitively on the surface, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You go, gosh, how am I selling more? when I'm actually losing money. Um, And again, I hate to say this, but almost every single business I've ever worked with has at least one of these products or services. So if you haven't identified one of those in your business, it's probably lurking. <laughs> and if you don't know how to exactly to do that, you know, get, hire someone. I might know a guy who can help you with that, but um, seriously, it's very, very important. The other thing you got to make sure that, you know, along those lines, and I mentioned this a little bit with a question earlier from I think it was James um, is you need to make sure that you're at the proper margins. So, you know, I've, I've said this before, but you know, if you have a business and unless you're in the food services industry, um, if you have margins that are net margins, net margins, as we talked about earlier, that are less than double digits, that are single digits, you have a hobby, not a business. Um, And you're working way too hard for not enough money. So you gotta make sure that you're pricing your products at the proper margins. And sometimes what that means, folks, is you have to discontinue a product and or you have to offer it at a price that makes sense for you that you might not sell a lot of, but maybe it's a complimentary product to something else that you sell you want to continue to offer it but you have to make sure that you're offering it at a price that is profitable for you so you don't end up with the silent business killer lurking in your business because man oh man i'll tell you it's just it's terrible it's terrible again and it's very very common so hopefully that's helpful uh sarah in portland oregon thank you for your question let's move right along here and see i think we can get through this one um Michael in Dublin, Ohio, here, close, close to where we're at right now. Uh, so Michael asks, as an owner, I'm constantly putting out fires. Yeah, I think all of you guys can relate to that. How should I allocate my time? Wow. All right. So this is a common challenge again. Something, especially if you, you know, started as a, you were a startup. You may have started as a, as a, you know, solopreneur. You've grown now. What happens is, as a solopreneur, you're doing all those tasks, and as you grow and hire people, it becomes sometimes difficult to delegate. That's the number one thing you got to do. You got have to learn how to delegate. You got to hire the right people. If you're hesitant on delegating, delegating something, you probably haven't hired the right people, and uh, that's on you as well. We'll cover that topic another time. But so one of the things I mention all the time is, you have to do an honest assessment, especially if you're a small enough business to where oftentimes the owner is the only salesperson. And in that scenario, you don't have time to run around putting out fires all the time. Again, you need to delegate a lot of that because you have to be doing sales. So I told folks to do an honest assessment of their time and focus on what I call RPAs revenue producing activities. RPAs, very, very important. Um, especially if you're only the only salesperson, look at your time, assess your time. If you need to, if you're, you're way off kilter there, don't be afraid of blocking time on your calendar. Um, and saying, telling folks in, in your office or in your your building or whatever it might be that work for you, hey, I've got these times blocked. Do not bother me with anything unless like someone's got their hair on fire, because you're going to focus on RPAs during that time. You can imagine what happens if not. Now, I give you. I think I got enough time. I give you a quick example here where I had a friend of a friend who's a realtor who was suffering from this type of situation. He said, "Man, I've got business, but I can't get out there because I'm bogged down with a lot of administrative work, which, by the way, I don't like doing." And I said, you need to hire at least a virtual assistant, if not an assistant. He said, Ken, I don't think I can afford it. I said, you can't afford not to. And so here are the numbers around this. It's, it's staggering. I mean, I hope I can get through them all. But let's say you hire a virtual assistant, a VA. They work for you one hour a day, Monday through Friday. So five hours a week. Doesn't sound like much. But that's 260 hours a year. Think about that in, in regards to a 40-hour work week. Those 260 hours equate to, you guys know this can do the mental math, that's six and a half weeks of time over a year that will free up for you. And if you pay that person, again, just make the numbers easy, 20 bucks an hour, it only costs you $100 a week, right? Five hours a week. So it's going to cost you just a hair over $5,000 for the year. And in this scenario, again, it was a realtor. I said, gosh, that's going to free up literally, as I mentioned, six and a half weeks of a 40 hour week. How long does it take you to make a sale? Right? How much? How many sales can you make if you just focus on sales for six and a half weeks, solid, forty hours a week, six and a half weeks? And what's your average commission on a sale? You do you to, to pay for itself? Put that resource to pay for itself. It just has to make fifty two hundred dollars in a year, right? Hundred bucks a week. So my gosh, think of an ROI on that, right? You sell an extra ten houses, and your average commission, let's say, is four thousand, forty thousand dollars, and it costs you fifty two hundred. And it gets you out of the crap you don't want to do. A lot of administrative work in this scenario that you don't want to do. So that is absolutely super important. So that's a way to get in. That's a difficult thing for business owners to do, but you got to delegate. You got to get yourself out of the weeds, especially as you continue to grow, or it will absolutely stunt your growth and you will lose hair or it will turn gray like Mr. Business. So. Uh, that's all we have. Sarah, I'm sorry. That was uh, Michael in Dublin, Ohio. Thank you for the question. That's all the time we have for this uh, episode of Ask Mr. Biz. Appreciate everyone' questions and everyone who's listening. Uh, again, thanks for listening to everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Mr. Biz Radio. And don't forget, as always, cash flow
0: is king. This has been Mr. Biz Radio. To learn how to become part of Mr. Biz Nation, visit MrBizSolutions.com. For access to free weekly content, subscribe to the Mr. Biz YouTube channel and follow him on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to archive shows, you can find them on the Mr. Biz Solutions website.